1: Election College, episode number six, The Revolution of 1800. In this episode of Election College, war with France, his rotundity is challenged, and Jefferson comes out on top. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always... It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Goff. And I'm Ben Smith. Today we'll be talking about the election of
0: 1800. Jason, what do you want to talk about?
1: How about elections?
0: Okay. That's a new thing and, for us.
1: Yeah. And let's go back into history and talk about the election of 1800.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Okay. So what a mess. You've got John Adams, his rotundity, the big guy leading the country and his VP is his, one of his arch enemies, Thomas Jefferson. And they decide that, okay, we're just going to endure this thing. We're going to live life together,
0: and we're going to run against each other. Right. We're basically best friends, but at the same time, we hate each other. Remember, you've got the Federalists, who were for a strong central government, of which his rotundity, John Adams, was a part. And you've got the Democratic-Republicans, uh, who are more about states' rights and um, small government, and Thomas Jefferson was a part of them.
1: And also you got that whole French-Great Britain- element to it where you have John Adams, of course, for his rotundity, who is accused of being a lot like a British guy. And TJ is, at least he's being accused of being more like a French person.
0: And don't forget, you've also got the kind of constant tension that we've had since this country began of North versus South. And that's not slowing down any here. And you
1: got the Federalists, they're playing the whole atheist card against Jefferson. They said the U S would suffer much bloodshed because of their French likeness. And the democratic Republicans they're they're saying, Hey, the strong federal government, uh, all those States rights that we value and love, they're just going to go away. They're going to be blown off of the face of America.
0: Well, um, since everything's going so well, (laughs) it seems like uh, we haven't had a war in a while. Why don't, we should probably have a war. What do you think, Jason?
1: That's an awesome idea. How about, how about we just not do like a, a big all out revolution, but let's have a quasi war. Oh, and, okay. All right. Yeah. And let's have a, let's go to war kind of with France. Does that sound like a good idea?
0: I think it sounds pretty good. I don't know if uh, Thomas Jefferson will like it since they're buddies and all, but I think if the U S would refuse to To pay the revolutionary war debts to France, I think that'd be great. I think that, I think that'd cause a quasi war.
1: And so in 1794, the French monarchy, they were taken out. They were toppled during the French revolution and the American government, they signed the Jay treaty. And so the Americans are aligning
0: themselves more with the British. If you don't remember what the Jay Treaty is, you can go back and listen to episode five. And if you don't know what the French Revolution is, you can go back and read or watch Le Miserable. It's pretty, oh, yeah. that's pretty much the now best. I got
1: master of the house in my, <sighs> it's
0: like Seinfeld.
1: Dooby dooby doo. Yeah, I know. I feel like George. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you don't look like him. So that's good. I guess. Hey, or, thanks. Well, we've got these French privateers who are starting to seize some American ships. That are trading with Britain. We've got this new U.S. minister that's supposed to be kind of reporting to France. And his his name is Charles Pinckney. You might have heard of him before. Uh, but the French government says, we're not going to talk to him. He's I know he came to, to Paris. We're not going to talk to him. Sorry.
1: As if we had a ton of awkward moments in our last podcast. This is just even more awkward. What do you do? There's no jet plane
0: to get out of the country. <laughs> What do you think he did? Do you think he just had to, like, slum it at Starbucks or something? Probably. Do they have Starbucks in France I think in they the 1790s? Prob- I was going to say they probably do now, but they probably didn't get them there until around 1800. Okay. So, yeah.
1: So he hops on America Online, and he's like, get me out of here. Your rotundity, please help.
0: <laughs> well... His rotundity was not real happy. And in his uh, annual address to Congress in 1797, he mentioned that France was not real keen to negotiate and said, we need to put our country in a place where we are in a suitable posture of defense. So talk about – it's not really a preemptive strike, but it's like a preemptive defense. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, it's quasi good. Quasi good. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So in, in April of 1798, his rotundity informs Congress of the XYZ affair. And that's when French agents had demanded a large bribe for the restoration of diplomatic relations
0: with, with us, the Americans. It's like, Hey, if you don't negotiate with us, we're going to do something bad.
1: Yeah. I wonder, was there an ABC affair?
0: I don't think there was an ABC affair, but the XYZ affair. Was not taken kindly very much. So the French are like, hey, we used to like you, America, but now you won't pay us. So any ships you send over to Britain, we're going to take those. And any ships you try and send anywhere else, we're going to get in your way and really make it a big mess for you. So the U.S. is like, all right. We'll get the Navy and the Marine Corps up and running, and uh, we'll send them along with the fleets to protect them.
1: So by the autumn of 1800, the U.S. Navy and the Royal Navy combined to come up against the government of Napoleon, and that reduced the ability of the French privateers and warships. So the Convention of 1800, which was signed uh, back on the 30th of September, ended the Franco-American War. Unfortunately for President Adams, his rotundity himself, the news didn't arrive in time to help him secure the election of 1800.
0: Right. So we're familiar with that now, right? Jason, if, if there's a big conflict or a war or something like that and things are going well, it's, you know, everybody's scared and then it goes well and people are swayed towards the person who's in office. That person in office in- may incumbent. or may not have had anything to do with it, but it certainly helps them out. So in this case, John Adams is like, all right, everything's going well. We signed a treaty. Things are going to be great. I'm going to win the election. Oh, but the election's here, and the newspaper just hasn't gotten to us yet.
1: Yeah, the dial-up. Keep in mind, no broadband back then.
0: Right. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? No broadband? Yeah.
1: That would have been awful.
0: Hey, I saw a thing, and I'm totally stealing this without crediting it to to the person who it came from because I don't remember. They said, like, almost every 90s sitcom problem could have been solved with a cell phone. No way. And so I've been watching through some 90s sitcoms just because that's what I you know, like to do late at night when I can't sleep. And it's really, really true. My wife and I will look at each other and say, cell phone, and then the episode would be over if they had a cell phone. It's crazy. That is crazy. Well, you know what else would have been solved with a, a cell phone? Everybody finding out about the treaty with France and America.
1: Yeah, his rotundity was like, mm, why didn't they invent that yet? So the election of 1800 really was a revolution of sorts, and that's why it's called the revolution of 1800.
0: And so even though all these things are transpiring, it really is reminiscent of the 1796 election between the French uh fans and the – decentralization fans and Jefferson and Aaron Burr are like, Hey, we're going to run against John Adams and whoever else they pick, which happened to be Charles Pinckney, who was, you remember he was the guy who went over to, to Britain and tried to get him to Poor negotiate. Guy. or I'm sorry, to France and tried to get him to negotiate.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that would have been a very long boat ride for old Charles, but the, Really, the chief political issues included opposition to the tax imposed by Congress to pay for the mobilization of the new army and navy in this quasi war against France and the Alien and Sedition Acts by which Federalists were trying to stifle dissent, especially by the Democratic Republican newspaper editors.
0: And so what really happens is the Federalists are super disorganized and can't get anything together. And President Adams and Alexander Hamilton, the Wizard of Oz himself, have this kind of split where they're just not really agreeing on much. and Nothing is really coming together. And so the Federalists kind of just start to decline. And, well, spoiler, but things don't get a lot better for them in the future.
1: Yeah, they really lost their mojo, which the whole lesson of this is never, ever, ever go against the Wizard of Oz.
0: Well, I thought you were going to say never lose your mojo. Well, that's how you lose your mojo. Hey, if there were some candidates besides John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, who would they be? Let's talk about them for a minute.
1: Yeah. So there's Aaron Burr, who is a Democratic Republican. He is the grandson of the famous preacher Jonathan Edwards, but doesn't really continue that legacy of being a nice guy. There's Charles Pinckney who got kicked out of France. He's the Federalist. And John Jay, the Federalist who wrote up the Jay Treaty. I think it's
0: pretty cool that he had that named after him and all.
1: I know. I want a treaty named after me.
0: We could get in a fake fight and come up with a treaty, and it could be named the Jason Goff Treaty.
1: That sounds like a great idea.
0: Hey, well, while we're having disunity, the Federalists, like we mentioned, are having some real disunity. It causes some serious implosion. And guess what? John Adams... Mm, Falling behind. Yeah. And
1: the two Democratic Republicans, Aaron Burr and TJ, the French loving man himself, finish in a tie.
0: And if you remember, the Constitution doesn't require separate votes yet for president and vice president. So it's totally possible for two people to tie and both essentially have rights to be president. So the vote gets thrown to Congress in this instance, which (laughs) Congress never agrees on anything, right? So it's obviously (laughs) going to be a landslide one way or the other.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, well, what happens in Congress is old Alex, the Wizard of Oz, he is creating all kinds of havoc because he's trying to control the vote. And they vote, get this, Ben, 35 times and it's just deadlock. Like, it's
0: deadlock. Total deadlock. They cannot come to an agreement. And Alexander Hamilton waltzes out to – is it New Hampshire? Is that right? Is Delaware. Delaware. My bad. Waltzes out to Delaware and says to James Bayard, one of the electors, hey, why don't you change your vote and just end this whole thing? And James Bayard is looking out for the interest of a state. Um It's a small state, so – they could get left behind if he really doesn't step up to the plate because there is the possibility at this point, everybody's so mad at each other of a split, a nationwide split or even a civil war and Delaware has no friends.
1: Yeah. And then there's no tax free shopping.
0: Exactly. You never want that. So James Bayard defects. He becomes a faithless elector, the first of a few.
1: And so Jefferson is like, Hey, James Bayard, I love you. And hey, Aaron Burr, you're a jerk.
0: Yeah, Aaron Burr, like, come on, man. You knew you were running for vice president, even though your name was on the ticket for president, but instead you caused this big dispute. And this is not going to be the last time that Aaron Burr screws some stuff up, let me tell you.
1: He's involved in all kinds of different disputes, but keep in mind that it was pretty much understood that if there was a tie, there was already somebody from that political party who was going to be understood to have won the election. So Aaron Burr could have avoided this whole situation. And in my book,
0: Ben, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. You know what I think we should do to him? Not talk about him until next episode. Aaron Burr, you are banned from the rest of this episode. You know who's not banned? John Adams, his rotundity. I mean, he's been one of our favorite words to say for how many episodes now we've got to finish out. Well, let's just go ahead and finish out his life.
1: Oh, man, I'm going to miss him. So on November 1st, 1800, just before the election, Adams arrives in the new capital city, Washington, D.C. He takes up the residence in the White House. On his second evening, in its damp, unfurnished rooms, he wrote this to his wife, quote, Before I end my letter, can you just see this as rotundity? Before I end my letter, I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof.
0: And then he loses the election. So he retires. He decides, nope, I'm just not going to be involved in politics anymore. I'm done. He gets depressed, totally hates his life. He does something that almost no one has ever done. He doesn't go to the inauguration of the person who beat him, Thomas Jefferson.
1: Man, sour grapes. I wonder if it was kind of like the people who saw him in the cabinet meetings during Washington's administration, where he was off in the corner going, "Mm, I'm not going to say anything because I'm this worthless vice president. And then his dream comes true. And then he loses it (laughs) they're just like oh there goes this
0: rotundity there he goes again spouting off about something well it's not all bad Uh, they do become friends jefferson and adams that is and they really start kind of creating this bond but of course not until after jefferson is out of office
1: yeah and they're exchanging all these great letters and should we look into the future a little bit i think that's okay yeah yeah, so in 1826, on July the 4th of all days, his rotundity whispers his last words, and he says, Thomas Jefferson survives. When, in fact, Jefferson had already died at
0: Monticello a few hours earlier. Yeah, Jefferson and Adams had apparently started corresponding again in uh 1812, and they did that for the next 14 years until they both died. On the same day. And really a lot of people look at that, those writings back and forth between the two of them as some of our greatest pieces of literature or, um, uh, yeah, literature that we've ever been able to preserve that was of a personal nature.
1: Yeah. So some really cool things can come out of nasty pasts. It's kind of neat.
0: Well, we've got this big elephant in the room, Jason. And it's called The Electoral College and How They Vote and How It Works and Ties, Oh No, What Could Happen in the Future. And we will talk about that in the future.
1: Hey, you know what's one really cool thing about the future? What's that? Well, we all get high-speed internet access, right? Okay. uh huh. I'm on board with that. We're able to upload things onto the internet now. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have social media. I like social media. We're taking pictures of our friends, we're making new friends, we're connecting with old friends, and they invent Canva.
0: Canva. Canva. It sounds so familiar, and yet I feel like I know nothing about it. You should tell me about it.
1: Yeah. So say you get a picture, and you want to spice it up a little bit. You want to put little wing-ding things around your picture. You want to make it look like a Polaroid. You want to make it look like... Just a, an amazing piece of art. So you upload your picture onto Canva, you do some editing, and whammo, you have something awesome.
0: I have to interject here and say that I don't think anything you put wings on is going to become a piece of art.
1: Oh, they're they're wingdings. Wingdings.
0: I, I stand corrected. You're right. Wingdings make everything art. Anyway. They make it happy. <laughs> if you or anyone you know, really, I mean, you could tell anybody. It doesn't matter to us want to get on Canva, we're going to help you out. Canva is totally free. You can use it for free for a long, long time. But if you ever want to use any of their images, stock photos, or sometimes even some of their layouts, they might charge you a dollar here or there. And of course, you'll know about it. And there's plenty to use for free. But if you want to get 10 free dollars to use at Canva, just go to electioncollege.com forward slash Canva. That's C-A-N-V-A we'll give you 10 bucks to use for whatever you want on Canva, really.
1: Sweet.
0: Love Canva.
1: Spread the Canva love all over Twitter, all over Facebook, anywhere social media exists. Canva needs to be proclaimed.
0: You know where you could talk about Canva? Where? Twitter. You could even tell us about it at our page at Election College or maybe on Facebook at Election College or... Why not even Instagram at Election College? I mean, all those things nice. would be great.
1: Yeah, and hey, speaking of social media, Ben, mm-hmm. we're on Periscope. We are on Periscope. So just keep your eyes open. Do we have a submarine we're there? I, I think it's yellow.
0: Okay, because no, it's blue. If you have a Periscope, you should have a submarine too.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think you actually need a submarine. I think you might just need a waterproof case for your cell phone. Okay, that's that works
0: hey if you like hearing us blather on about silly things like submarines go ahead leave us a review on iTunes ranking review whatever it helps us it helps you we promise you'll feel good inside or something yeah and it'd be nice thanks and thanks to everybody yeah. who has already yeah I think you'll feel good on the outside too actually Ben cool it's always good to feel <laughs> feel good on the inside and outside you Ready to wrap this up In I think so you already know who I am Yeah, and I'm Jason. Bye.